Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. Where do I want to go? Psalm 111. I um, last week just shared a little bit on how um, God wants to work in our lives in terms of our identity, in terms of our relationship, in terms of our purpose and our calling. And all of that has to do with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit at work in us. And we can't do anything unless the Holy Spirit works in us. And we, we can't achieve anything unless we're obedient to that voice. Because it's only in obedience that we really experience the fullness of what God has for us. And um, I'm speaking a little bit, I'm going to just zone in a little bit on identity today. And zone in on, on what the Holy Spirit gives us in terms of our identity. And I want to say this morning, if this was my title, it would be, Identity is Inherited from the Father. Your identity is never something you need to work for. It's never something you need to gain. Your identity is given to you. You inherit it from the Father. And with that, so you also inherit your value and you also inherit your purpose. Psalm 111 verse 1 to 2. If you turn to, I'm going to ask you just to open up your Bible in Psalm 111. Keep your finger there. We're going to jump around a little bit. And um, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do His thing in our hearts. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. In brackets, hallelujah. When last of you said hallelujah. Okay. That, that is... The international phrase for, or the international multi-language phrase for praise the Lord. It says, and give thanks to the Lord with my, I will praise and give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the counsel of the upright and in the congregation. Two important things. Three, I will give praise with my whole heart in the congregation. Do you hear that? I will give praise with my whole heart in the congregation. This morning I'm speaking about the relationship we have with our Father. And I want to say this almost as a measure, and I know we have lots of visitors here that, that visit from now, from now and then or, or now and then, I want to speak to our church this morning and say the measure, the, the, the measure with which you praise God with your whole heart in the congregation is a determining, is a, is a determin, or, or shows how deeply connected you are to the Father in relationship. Can I say that again? The, the, the loudness, the measure with which you praise God in thankfulness, the wholeness, it, 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 it pictures the wholeness of your heart. It's a picture of your whole heart. And, and 
the more you come to church, the more you are in a congregation, and the louder you sing, and the more you praise God with, with all of your heart. That is a measure of your relationship, your, the realness of your relationship with the Father. Amen. Thank you. I say that because we live from that space. We come to church. We're in the congregation. And our heart is, is full and ready to just explode with thankfulness and with praise. And, I, and it's so important to know that. It's so important to know that we have a Father and the relationship with Him is the most important relationship we will ever have. We need to value that relationship and express it to its fullest. Then it says in verse 2, The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all those who have delight in them. God's works are great, but you can only find them and see them if you actually delight in His works. In other words, if you're not looking for His works, you're not going to see them. But if you're looking for them, you are going to see them. Those who delight in them see His works. That's why they come with a heart full of praise. If I see it, I'm going to delight in it, and it's going to come out as a heart full of praise. The word delight means to please someone greatly. That's what the word delight means. Where do we hear this word delight being spoken in the Bible? Jesus comes and he is baptized by John and there is a voice that speaks from heaven. And what does that voice say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, this is my son and I delight in him. There is a relationship of delight. There is a relationship between father and son. And the father is well pleased with the son. And Jesus comes and he starts to open up a door to the religious and the traditional community. Now the religious and the traditional community knew God in mind, but they didn't know God as the Father. They didn't know God in relationship with Him. There was no delight in the relationship. So religious activity became dead. It became repeated. It became the same thing over and over again. Absent from delight. Absent from praise. Absent from sounds of thanksgiving in the congregation. And Jesus comes and he starts to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. And that offended the traditional community. Because for the first time, the relationship between God and his children was becoming real. 
John, in 1 John 4.19, John writes, We love him because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. So I want you to, just where you're sitting, hear the voice of the Father speaking over us this morning, saying, These are my children in whom I am well pleased, in whom I take delight, in whom I have great value. Every single person sitting in the room this morning. Our hearts can only be whole and filled with delight in a fully developed father child relationship. Our hearts can only be whole, can only be full of delight in a healthy father child relationship. God is our Father, we are His children. And the only place our hearts can be whole is when that relationship is full, when that relationship is, is whole, fully developed. I haven't experienced it yet, but I don't remember any of my children, aged grade seven and down, coming to me and asking, Dad, what is the purpose of life? Anyone in this room thought that? What, what is the purpose of life? What is my purpose? Anyone thought that? Anyone don't want to put up their hands, regardless of what I'm asking this morning? <laughs> you see, as children, young children, they never think about purpose. They don't ask, unless they're in a broken family, am I valuable? Do I have value? What is my identity? Children don't ask that. Why? Children who grow up in healthy families, who are loved on and cared for by a mother and a father, generally know that their lives are valuable. Their parents' combined care, concern, and encouragement communicate a constant message. You are valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. For those who are visitors in this room, if I open the fridge and there's food divided into blocks of four, I know my wife has apportioned it to our four children. And they know that. They know that in that moment, they are more valuable to mom than dad. It's not the truth, but. And it communicates to them, I see you, I care for you, I love you. Every time we show up to our children's sports events or, or show up to where they needed, we communicate the same message you are valuable god is god is communicating that message to us you are 
valuable. And you can do nothing to be more valuable except to know that God thinks you are valuable. There's a, a guy called Jerome Bruner. He, he's kind of considered as the, one of the first guys in cogniz- cognitive psychology. And he said something interesting. He said very early on, meaning in the 1900s, emphasis began shifting from meaning to information. From the construction of meaning to the processing of information. These two things are profoundly different. Meaning and information. And we find ourselves here in 2023 at the upper end of the information age where based on computing and based on our ability to generate information and make it available anywhere at any time as fast as possible, we've become information consumers. And what the world has shifted from is from constructing meaning to a focus and an attention on processing information. Your value isn't anything you can put down on paper as information. You can't do enough Bible studies, theology courses, go to church enough, listen to enough sermons, podcasts, read enough information to gain more value. We've got to construct and focus our attention back on constructing meaning versus just processing information. Now the room's going, what are you talking about? You all have information in your pockets. Whenever you feel bored, you whip it out. Your phone, you've got YouTube, social media. Our children are being exposed to so much information. More than we, yes, I grew up without a phone. It's okay, you won't die. Most adults in this room grew up without it. But here's what happens. The moment we seek connection, we pull out a phone and information streams our minds. What if every time you felt like you needed a little boost or a connection, you went to the Father and you asked Him to speak into your life? And you asked Him to, to, to speak to your spirit? What if we're losing our ability to hear the voice of God because we flooded with information the whole time? There's a direct correlation between information and absorbing information and true meaning and an understanding of our true meaning. And the more I just absorb information to feel better, the less I'm going to be connected with who I am 
as a son of God. That point came out way harder than I imagined. Let us not lose our meaning and sacrifice it to gaining more information. Let us not come to church and just process the word as if it's information. Let us come to church to construct meaning, to find our meaning. See, meaning in itself is you know when you know something but you haven't put it to words yet? That's, that's meaning. There's something valuable and you haven't been able to construct it. You just know in your spirit that this is good, that this is valuable, that this is God and this is constructive to who I am. And then you've got to go take some time and you've got to write it down, share it, discuss it, speak it. But I'm praying that we find our true meaning as children of God. That we discover our true meaning by going and investing every possible moment of spare time to being in His presence, to being in God's presence. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, Back in Psalm 111 at the bottom, it says, The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. Not the gathering of information. That's not the beginning of wisdom and skill. The beginning of wisdom and skill is the reverent worship of the Lord. It is the first essential prerequisite a good understanding, wisdom and meaning have all those who do the will of God. Their praise endures forever. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For all those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. All those who are led, guided by the Spirit are sons of God. I wrote this a while back about the role of a father. God the Father is always the champion of my cause. It's easy to be led by the Spirit if you know that God the Father is championing your cause. The role of a father is to champion the cause of their children. However, so often children are left stranded and frustrated by fathers who are absent and not supportive of the potential their children carry. These children carry a resentment and a frustration over into their adult lives, and they unwittingly repeat the process, having never been fully recognized or endorsed by the people that love them the most. When Jesse brought his sons to Samuel to elect a king, David wasn't called from amongst the sheep. David's own father, Jesse, 
did not think and recognize that David had the potential to be a great king. But God became David's father. And David developed a deep and passionate love for God his father. This intense love for God helped him understand the heart of God and empowered him to lead an anointed life as king, fully endorsed by God, who was the champion of David's cause. David himself said, Although my father and my mother have forsaken me, yet the Lord will take me up and adopt me as a child. The Spirit of God is on the move, healing and restoring the hearts of broken children and breaking the cycle of neglect, pain, and abuse. When we embrace God fully as our Father and allow Him to champion our cause, we step into our role as kings on earth, called to champion the purpose of our own children and lead and empower many more to live full and prosperous lives as children of God. David had learned that God was his father and the champion of his cause. That's why when David went into battle, he said, I will not allow that giant to belittle my identity. David arrives on the battlefield, and there is a man insulting an entire nation. And the entire nation is insulted and afraid. And David said, I will not allow that man to insult who I am. Because I know who God is. And I know who my father is. So, Romans 8 goes on in verse 18. Verse 19. No, where am I? Yes. I was looking at Romans 7. Verse 18. It didn't make sense. Verse 19, for even the whole creation, say with me, all of creation is waiting and longing earnestly for God's sons, for God's children to be made known. It is waiting for the disclosing, the revealing of that sonship. That's what's happening in this room this morning. There is a revealing of God's sonship on us, of us as children. For the creation was subjected to frailty, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of God who so subjected him. That nature itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption into the glorious freedom, say freedom, of God's children. Job 28, if you can turn there in your Bibles. Where does freedom come from? Freedom comes when we walk in our revelation of the fact that we are children of God and deeply loved. Job 28 says the following. Job is talking and he's saying, Surely 
There is a mine for silver and a place for gold where they refine it. Iron is taken out of the earth. Copper is smelted. Man sets an end to darkness and he searches out the furthest bounds for ore buried in the gloom. Men break open shafts away from where people journey in places forgotten by human foot. Hanging afar from men, they swing or flit to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath its surface is deep down in the mine. There is blasting, turning it up as by fire. Its stones are the bed of sapphires. It holds dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon eye is not seen. Man, verse 9, man puts forth his hand upon the flinty rock. He overturns the mountains by the root. He cuts out the channels and passages amongst the rock. And his eye sees very precious things, or every precious thing. But verse 12 says, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knows not the price. Of God's wisdom. Here's Romans 8 saying, The earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons. Here's Job saying, Men dig mines and dig out all the precious things, do all of these amazing things, cut you know, channels through mountains and build highways and do incredible engineering things. But where is wisdom? You see, the earth itself is groaning for us as people, to start living from an understanding that we are valuable, not from us cutting the earth to try and find value. That speaks over every physical thing we can do in this, in, on earth. There is nothing that you can do that is valuable enough to make you valuable. You are valuable from the start. And the earth is crying out and groaning because man is doing things on earth, trying to find value without first living from value. Do you see the picture? From where then does wisdom come? It comes from searching for God's works. From, from searching for God the Father. That's where man's wisdom comes comes from. May we devote our entire life to seek out that which God is doing. Let's go back to Psalm 111. What is God's works? What are God's works? What's the best way to say that in English? <laughs> Verse 4 says, He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. Here are his works. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful and full of loving compassion. He has given food and provision to those who reverently worship him. He will remember his covenant forever and imprint it on his mind. And there's a reference there to his covenant in Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 that says, And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? The question is now, church, what does the Lord require of us? 
It's to fear the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord with all of our mind and with all of our being. Our value has already been given to us because God is our Father. And we get to serve God and walk in his ways because of that revelation. Is that good? We're going to pray and then we're going to have soup. Hey, Brendan. (laughs) I just want to ask anyone in the room just to just to take a step of faith this morning. And if you've struggled to experience God as a loving Father, if you've not experienced Him that way, if you've walked doubting your value as a child, if you've walked doubting who God has created you to be, don't you want to stand this morning? Just stand and say, I want to experience the love of a father in ways I've never experienced before. I want him to speak words of value over me and declare me as valuable. Is there anyone in the room that really needs just a healing in their heart? You're crying out now. You're saying, I really want to know God as my father. Know him in a way that that I know he loves me. I've got one person. Is there anyone else in the room? Anyone else? Anyone else want to experience the fullness of the Father? Experience the fullness of His blessing. Know that you are valued. Know that you are loved. Psalm 68 says, Now God is arising, placing the solitaries in families, becoming a father to the fatherless. Thank you, Father. <coughs> Thank you, Father. I'm going to just pray on those that are on behalf of those that are standing now this morning. Father, we're standing this morning because we want to know you. And Father, I ask that you will surround me as a father does as you intended every father on earth to do. Father, I just ask this morning that you will come and heal my heart. Father, that you will show me how valuable and precious I am. Thank you for my identity, the name that I carry, the person that I am. Thank you, Father, that you created me 
And you, you approved of me before I was born. And you placed me in this place, in this time, for this season. And Father, this morning I want to open up my heart in ways I never have before. I'm sorry for not receiving the fullness of your love. For doubting you when I shouldn't have doubted. For not trusting you when your arms were wide open. This morning I receive your grace, your mercy, your provision, and your encouragement spoken over my life. This morning I choose to hear the words of a father spoken over my life. And no other voice. My identity is secure in you. And I make that declaration in faith this morning. Thank you that you are my Father. Just say that with me. Thank you that you are my Father. And I know you love me. For the rest of us and everyone in this room, I just pray, Father, that you will open up our ears to be obedient to you, to walk in your ways, because your ways are good. You are a good Father. And we are so valuable because you made us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you guys, bless you guys, bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.